We're gonna I'm make here. we're gonna make this happen in three, two, one, nine twenty-eight. 3-11-2020, you could not ask for a better day to have an anonymous gamblers podcast because we are fresh off of news that the President of the United States has restricted travel from Europe over to the United States, except for the United Kingdom. Why does this matter? Because not only does this news break, but we have two guests on the line tonight. First, welcome back, the love of my life, Fermi. Fermi, how you doing? Good. Glad to be back, This You touched on it. Huge day in the news. Unbelievable. And then on the other line, we have the reigning champion, Carl. How you doing? Doing great, Juice. (laughs) Happy to be here. Epic day. I think we're all going to look back on this as a very historic year for uh, March Madness and uh, all gamblers everywhere. I, I, (laughs) this was supposed to be, so this was a, this was a two-part podcast. I I was going to be a little bit more humorous about this, but I don't think this is a time to be so. You guys have what is called the Friendship Golf Classic or the FGC. You guys put a lot of planning on into this. We will talk about it. I will give you the platform to kind of expand, very similar to what Brian did. By the way, Brian, our all-time leader for me in downloads, I mean, it was unbelievable. His podcast about the CTC was unbelievable. I think what I, I think the trick is for me, I just have to get guys on this show that have, you know, acronyms, like three-letter acronyms so that they can come on the show and it just gets everything. So we had CTC and now we have FGC. So I'm going to let you guys talk about the Friendship Golf Classic and why this breaking news is so big. So I'm going to first turn it over to Carl. Carl, give us a rundown of the FGC, where it came from, how it started, and what the plan was for this year, and then we'll bring Fermi in slowly but surely. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, the FGC started back, uh, actually, 2012 is when the first... I guess, inkling of a golf trip started. And then uh, in 2013, um, Adam, Strip Matter, Andy, Romanowski, Dave Bushy, and myself, we uh, we started playing together in kind of a 2v2 um, format, you know, friendly game of, of smack talk and, and maybe some friendly wagering. And as we did it, we, you know, kind of looked forward, you know, down the road and said, hey, let's, and we really should kind of come up with some type of group event where we get more people, you know, interested and more people like ourselves to, to come up with something that's that's similar but in a larger format. So we did that. We kind of coordinated a, uh, a small invite list and grew it from there to what it is now. And then for the last well, five years going into our sixth year this year, uh, uh, six first six. Um, Ryder Cup format, which uh, has actually had basically the same teams for the entire uh, trip outside of year one, and it's it's become a, a year long tradition of uh, smack talk on a text chain, um, some some ancillary tournaments powered by the FGC, which you know Mike, you're you're a, you know a huge fan of and also a participant of, and me, it's really kind of, are you talking about? Well, yeah, so you, you joined the Carl Classic this year for the first time. And I'm so out. You, are, you moved the you date. What's that? You moved the date. I'm out. No, you were there last year, so that was the that was your part of it. Hey, is my invitation to the CGC or the FGC? Excuse me, is that still in my old email? Is that why I never got my invite to, to attend? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was your old Yahoo email, <laughs> whatever it was. I think it was your weight, actually, 285. 285. So I haven't seen that in a while, so that's probably why uh, you haven't been able to open that email up. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for your hot yoga for two nights in a row, I, I, I was there. No, no, no lie there. Um, that being said, so it's it's gotten bigger and better every single year. Have you solidified your groups now? Well, we have. Uh, we're we're hopeful. Um, normally we would say yes, but, uh, this pandemic, uh, recently, uh, named by the world health organization, uh, coronavirus has actually kind of thrown a pretty big wrench into it. Um, outside of tonight's, uh, 
I don't know what you want to call it, a fireside chat by President Trump, um, I would say yes, all members would be accounted for and we'd be ready to rock and roll. But um, basically closing the borders to Europe, obviously outside of the UK, I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. I mean, right now we're okay. Adam Shirt Matter is, you know, living in London, so he's he's right on the edge, and that could change. I think, with you know, it could be a 24-hour change, it could be a 36, 48 hours. We're not really sure. We're hoping that it won't be, but right now we're we're hopeful that we'll uh, skate through the the quarantine, and he'll be able to join us, and hopefully he'll be able to join us and be able to get back to his family. That's also the uh, large concern too i don't want him to be stuck here living with andy and janine for the next two months right priorities priorities now exactly what team wife wouldn't want that maybe she would um who knows uh two questions what team are you on so i'm on team blue okay Uh, what team is on team red fermi's on fermi's on team red what team is stritz on Fermi, I'm bringing you into this conversation. What does this mean right now for Team Red? Where oh, is what? Where are we on the panic button? So the panic button was on fire about three hours. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was blinking. It was not the Staples Easy button. It was the opposite of that. Um, so this is. I mean, obviously, Carl touched on it, but huge news allowing the UK to travel. So going into FGC with only 11 guys would really be um, troublesome, just given how much scheduling we've put into this and the, the matchups and, and everything. It really would have thrown a big curveball into the, into the trip. Fermi, this isn't at your hometown country club. Where are you guys playing this at this year? So... This year, we're, we're going south. We're going to Hilton Head, South Carolina, uh, to the Sea Pines Resort. And I, I think golfing, avid golfers out there would have definitely heard of Harbor Town. And that's sort of the capstone course we're playing, and we're playing that on Saturday. Is this three or four days? Four days. Four days. Day one, day one, 36 holes. Day two, 36 holes. Day three, 18. Day four, 18. Why do you peel it back, just out of curiosity? So we've, we've done it a lot of different ways through the years, but um, we definitely do. It's, they're long nights, long days, a lot of golf, and it, you know the night really doesn't stop after golf. So um, I would just say we are run down, and it's probably best we sort of ease into the weekend. So I think this is a good change by the, the powers that be that run the FGC. Now, who are the powers that be that run the FGC? So, Carl, I'm going to kick that one over to you because that list sort of expands, I think, each each year, sort of. Yeah, so thanks, thanks Fermi. Um, <laughs> I, I think <laughs> to a certain extent, it's the same core. So um, the first few years, first, uh, I guess, four years, it was, it was a pretty defined group. It was uh, Adam, Andy, Dave, and myself. Um, but... Since, I think, year four, maybe the end of year four, um, Stein has actually taken a a large chunk of the leadership role and has really done a nice job with kind of helping to add some value um, through our packet that we uh, we send out every year and also now this year to our website. So he's really taken on a leadership role and has become, you know, the fifth fifth member of of the management board, if you if you would. And has helped kind of guide what is, what I hope is a, a better experience for everybody. Now, true or false, you guys run this like a business. True. Uh, ex- yeah, I would say that's true. Expand, expand, go back and forth here. Like, like this, I, I, I'm not in it. You you guys have to. You guys got to bring people into this. I mean, how how is it ran? Who sets things up? Why do they set them up the way that they do? How are responsibilities distributed? X, Y, and Z. Go, go, go. Um, so, I mean, that's that's also, you know, kind of morphed each year. Um, this year, there's been more of a, well, I don't even know if it's this year. There, there's been more of a, an effort to get everyone involved because obviously with the amount of effort and time, you know, certain people put into it, there's been a little bit of a frustration level with, hey, let's kind of, you know, 
create a trip where everyone's involved, but also it's not come, it doesn't come down to you know three or four individuals to, to plan everything. So we've we've added different roles and you know um, responsibilities to everybody. I know Fermi's heavily involved in the you know the stat side of things, and he does a great job. Um, but there's definitely uh, a formatting on the front end, and then also um, responsibilities during the event, and also uh, after the event to make sure everything's kind of uh, categorized. And, and uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, Fermi. What do you? Stats, no, it's it's more of it's more of just kind of keeping everything together so we can use it for the next year. It's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, we, t- we touched on this already, but we have a website, um, friendshipgolf.net. So a lot of these responsibilities are also important going forward for keeping the website, I'll say, alive and current. Uh, we have a lot of data on there, and it's it's actually very entertaining and a fun read if, if you're ever interested. You should take a, take a peek. I'm, I'm, I'm bored and I'm reading. Listen, explain to me or to anyone else who doesn't follow the Ryder Cup. How scoring happens? How do you win this thing? That's what I want to know. Fermi or the stacker, I'll let you run. All right. So, so essentially, I'm going to sort of keep this high level, but we we have two on two, basically, um, two red versus two blue, each nine holes that we play. Those matchups, you know, change daily, and they could even change every nine holes. Um, so it, it just depends. And then we have one day, which is Saturday this year, where there are singles matchups. So one red plays one blue and the whole way down the list. Each one of those nine hole matches are worth 10 points. And that's really driven by how many holes you won and everything is handicapped. So we all carry our own handicaps, which then we adjust scores sort of live as, as we're going through this on an app. And then at the end of the day, we basically total up the points. And again, 10 points per nine holes. And then, you know, we have a running total throughout the entire week. So I don't even know what the exact number of points you need to have to clinch. But it's in like the, I think like the 190 range, I believe, um, is what we need to, to clinch and declare a winner, red or blue. I, I come in with a handicap. How does that affect the game? So it's it's really depending on your handicap, the delta between your handicap and your opponent will lead to the worst of the two golfers getting strokes. So meaning if you make a bogey on a hole and you're getting a stroke, you would actually log it as a par. And depending on obviously how you perform versus your opponent, by hole will determine at points layout or a score that you would you would earn and then again that's that's rolled up to the total how do you determine strategy why can't i just say look i'm just gonna put my best golfer against the other team's worst golfer and the the other team just goes no we're not going to do that like how how does how do you finally get set to a match so that's where Ryder cup comes in so we have a captain and a co-captain on each team that will be i'll say drafting slash assigning live (laughs) matchups for the the following day so um when we're down there um we're gonna go through the first day and then the 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 evening the first evening our captain and co-captain will be um sort of standing in front of everybody with with the captain and co-captain of blue and then they will throw out a pairing and then the other team will match them and we'll sort of snake draft it until we land on the matchups for the following day. Now, so that's where the strategy really comes into play. Now, now, now tell the truth, Carl. You're throwing a little shade whenever you're picking whenever you're picking that. What do you mean? Well, you 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 know you know who's weak, you know who's not. Uh, I mean honestly at this point, it comes down to who performs. I mean, yeah, sure, we have stats. Um, but each year is different. I mean, to be honest, the two of us, Fermi and I, are probably the two two of the worst four players from a historical standpoint of anyone in the FGC. Really? You look at, you know, win-loss. Absolutely. What are yeah. you two so, doing on this podcast then? What? 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 Who's the best? Oh, wait. Uh, wait. Wait. Before you answer that, no. Hold. True or false? P- 
people are not playing up to their handicap or vice versa. We've had this discussion. I want to know the truth. So you say, hold on. So you say not playing up to their handicap? I think I, I might have that, said that wrong. I, I, don't, I would say that both of us are. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but if you're saying, so not recording their actual handicap? Oh, uh, here we go. That's right. Yeah, no, go. you're going to come on. Fermi, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So there's been discussions, but there's been discussions both ways. I'm not going to single out anybody you, on blue. You don't have that. to single anyone out. I'm not asking you to single anyone out. I'm asking you, do you believe in your heart that there's a little discrepancy going on? I would say yes Ooh. in my heart, but Carl may say something else. He may say the same about Team Red, actually. I, I don't know. Carl? I would say prior to last year, there was a big uh, question about Fermi's handicap. In fact, to the level where we sent a letter, um, certified actually, to yeah, it was. to Fermi's house and to, to Adam because he's the captain of Team Red. <laughs> Basically, with the intention to make sure that we were you know all following the same guidelines and rules and you know playing under the same rules. What are those guidelines and rules to set your handicap? That every round that is a you know loggable round, but also is a live round. So the USGA sets a, a timeline based on the t- time of year um, within a territory, and says, "Hey, um, this is either you know within season or out of season." So it depends on you know where you're at, you know, on the East Coast, West Coast, wherever. Um, and in this case. I think for Pennsylvania, April 1st would be the start of live season or start of, you know, warm season. So anything after that would be uh, loggable. But you can still put it in your in your app or, you know, whatever you use to, to log your scores. Um, so as long as people are following that that rule based on the USGA, I think I'm, I'm okay with it. I think most people within FGC would also follow those guidelines. I think where it becomes gray is we play these you know these events and we may be down in florida and scores may not always be logged and i think last year was a case where um there were some questions asked and not every round was logged but also not every round was provided based on our our statistician um on team red so i think there's a little bit of gray area on that for me yeah, I mean, so the certified letter actually did show up at my house. My wife had to sign for it, which is <laughs> mind-boggling um, and quite comical. Sorry. But on top of that, I mean, personally, my handicap situation has been put to bed. As Carl just men- mentioned, I think I'm, I think I'm eleventh out of twelve in productivity, which obviously means I'm not fudging my handicap or I'm playing very bad on a consistent basis. So um, that that I think is has definitely that ship has sailed. Fine. Let's call but, it let's call this out. Who's the two statistical best handicaps on blue? Who's the two statistical best handicaps on red this season right now? So Brian Spamer, six point nine on blue. Ooh, sexy Mike Mike Musica, eight point four, I believe, on blue. Okay. And then for Team Red it's myself, 8.8, and Rones at 12.2. Wow. Talk about a discrepancy there. Well, the discrepancy doesn't stop there. So, <laughs> um, And Carl, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So let me rattle down the blue handicaps. I'm just going to give you numbers. I'm Go ahead. I love it. 6.9, Mm -hmm. 8.4, 10.3, 11.1, 11.8, 13.3. Very good golfers. Okay. Right? Right. Team Red, 8.8, 12.2, 15.1, 17.3, 19.3, 20.2. Woo! Woo! So... Hence why we use handicaps, right, to, to level the playing field. And so just for the record, the, the overall, we're, as we enter FGC, FGC 6, blue leads overall 3-2. to two. So it's, I will say, blue's winning 
has been a little bit more lopsided than Team Red's wins, but inevitably the score is three to two. Carl, yeah, I mean, I I think it's pretty even. I, because I mean, of I can, be, because of handicaps is what you're saying. Absolutely, I think there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of complaints on Team Blue of lack of play by Team Red, and so the handicaps are probably a little bit higher. I mean, I, I know there's obviously obstacles on Team Red that you know they have to overcome with you know family and timeline. So I get that, but at the same time, Team Blue definitely makes a more concerted effort to play more and to practice and make sure that they're you know in prime prime uh, shape and you know playing ability going into the the fgc i can't say that about team red Fermi. yeah so so for team red i i would definitely say i'd probably play the most i probably play as close to the volume as anybody on team blue um you know that team red would have um for a lot of the reasons carl mentioned about families and stuff like that um I, I really don't have a rebuttal to say that we play a lot because that is that is not true, you know. So he's right. We definitely play a lot less than blue, and I think that's why the results sort of are what they are. At least they have been historically. So who's it? Okay, so you have handicaps included. Be honest, then I'll go. Let's go, Fermi first on this one. Fermi, who's the favorite this year? Team Blue's the favorite. Odds. So I, this is where I have the line, right? If I'd call Vegas, this is my prediction of what the line would be. So I have the line at 32 points. So the reason, I'm going to back it up with some stats because that's what I do. Yeah. So the average margin of victory in the three team blue wins is 36. So team red won by 10 one year, FGC 3, and then FGC 1, Team Red 1, but we changed the scoring in FGC 2 going forward. So the final score was 16-11, and it's not really even comparable when you're when you're looking at scores. So um, Team Blue's margin of victory average is 36. I'm placing the line at 32 because their handicaps did drop, and some of Team Red's did climb. So... Obviously, that, that's going the other way, yielding red a couple more strokes to their benefit. I think that, that matters a little bit. But I'm putting the line at 32. What do you got, Carl? Uh, I would say it's closer to last year, and I'd probably put it at around 23. Um, the margin of victory last year was 25. But if you look at, at Sunday, that was a, uh, well, outside of one matchup, it was a bloodbath. So I think one more more realistic terms based on the format of the courses, the layout, that it's closer to what we experienced last year. And I think probably 20, 23, 24 is the number. So let's say 23 and a half would be my, my line. I'm looking on the, the website right now. I see the overall predictions for MVP being Mr. Bush and Mr. Rome's, um, as they say in France, pourquoi? For those well, of you who don't know what that means, that means why. Um, so I was involved in uh, setting up this page and, and kind of doing the write-up. So I'll give you my my thought process there. I think Dave has, you know, from a year in, year out, has performed about as well as anyone on Team Blue. Um, he probably gets Team Red riled up more than anyone else on, on the team. Well, outside of, outside of uh, Zeke, on our text chains, he, he does that. But I think he performs very well based on his handicap and kind of what his expectations are going into the year. And I think he's due. He has yet to, to win a, an MVP. How do you win MVP? Who votes? So so the way we structure it is um, the highest amount of points. So that's combined and individual based on kind of how we have our scoring set up. Uh, so it's basically a plus-minus and uh, he has yet to, he's been very close, but he has yet to, you know, take it home. So I think if Team Blue were to win, I think there's a very good chance he's the reason for it. Um, and then I think Team Red, at least from a historical standpoint, has done has done well whenever Andy has performed well. So I think in this case, 
if Team were Team Red were to win, it's probably going to be because of Andy. Fermi is a very important part of it, um, but I think Andy. You don't know what you're going to get from him. If you get a if you get a very good round, you know, and he's focused, then you're you're more than uh, more than ecstatic. And I think that uh, it's hit or miss. Fermi, I know Fermi would Fermi would probably agree with that. No, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I I think Rose is definitely a big key for Team Red to be successful, and we we obviously have to cash in on our handicap strokes. So that's going to require a lot of pars by pars and bogeys by on holes where we would get strokes to sort of level the playing field and get out with halves or win holes. Um, but Rome's Rome's ceiling is, is very high. Um, he's capable of really playing well and going low and beating his handicap. All right. Definitely. Let's go with the reigning champs. Carl, final final thought for this segment before we go to um, uh, college basketball. Uh, two things. One, I need a prediction. And two, I need to know why your team will win. I think Team Blue wins, but I think it's a lot closer than expected. I think Team win, Team Blue wins by uh, roughly 12 points. And I think that uh, it's, they're led by Spammer. I think Zeke rebounds. And I think it's a much more even uh, performance by the entire team. For I don't me. think there's as many uh, top-to-bottom losses. Yeah, so... A week before FGC, and I'm, I'm going to probably regret saying this, but I honestly think Team Blue wins. I put the line at 30, 32. Um, do I hope that's the case? Absolutely not. I think we're going we're gonna to definitely give it a go. And Team Red, I think a lot of our, our success really depends on matchups. Um, we've had some successful matchups in the past, but if we can just find those connections and see who likes the layout of the courses and and really just try to pair us up. I think we can hang tight. I definitely think we can make a charge and and contend. But if I had to pick a winner today, I would take blue as well. But we're gonna we're gonna battle, I guarantee that. Is is there gonna be continual updates on the Twitter page, like day to day? That's that's what I wanna know. Yeah, so there's going to be, the way we're going to have it set up, and you're going to see uh, a launch here, uh, either end of this weekend or early next, where you're going to have a brand new stat page, or tab, where all the stats for the first five, well, for first four years uh, will be included. And then we're also going to have a leaderboard uh, launch where it's going to track um, everyday matchups, everyday scores, so that you know you log on, you hop on the website in the morning, or afternoon, you'll see an updated, or even you know, a live breakdown of where everything is at. Fermi, what happens if Stritz can't make it? Oh, we don't even want to talk about that. We I'm have to. No, no, no. We're talking about it. What happens? So he's going to be here um, because the travel ban isn't UK exempt. But it's a long he, week, Fermi. It's a long week, brother. I know it is far fetched, but if he does not come, I, I think Rome's has some some ideas on trying to fill that, that 12th spot. And if that doesn't happen, then obviously we got to put all our heads together and figure out how we're going to score it. Given let's, the- let's put it this way, uh, Biggs. There was an emergency um, meeting tonight over, uh, actually it interrupted my dinner, um, and Mary was not happy, but it, we talked <laughs> through what our contingency plans were. Oh, my uh, God. We have, we have two backups in place. How many to, uh, how to many, How many packs of chewing gum did she give you? <laughs> um, she was not happy. Let's oh, I bet. So when you talk dinner, are we talking like in a restaurant together as a group or just a uh, no, you and no, her? No, it was a nice dinner just at the house. You know, We oh. made some steaks and we were sitting down and oh. having some wine. And uh, Oh, my God. And Frau Kristoff. Quick phone call. Frau Christoph was probably like, "Hi, Yash!" Oh my God, I can only imagine what she was. All she wanted to know was how long it was going to last, and I said, "Well, I can't promise anything." Well, which is normal for me. So that is a true. That's what she said. Moment. Now, the exactly. real, the real question now becomes: We know it's not this week; it's next week, right? Correct. So it starts Thursday morning. Correct. So this is Fermi. 
This is the day after. You're going to be on the line. I need you in the zone for the Calcutta. I'm assuming you're down there on Wednesday night. We, I am. Yep. Are you going to be zoned in? Are you ready for this Calcutta for me? Uh, yes. Okay. I'll be ready for the Calcutta. We'll be talking for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know you have the private line now here. Now, Carl finds no value in the Calcutta. That's fine. And there's going to be other guys down there that may be involved in the Calcutta. I'm not sure yet. Is there anyone else within the FGC other than Rome's right now that's going to be potentially joining? I talked with Zans. He, is Zans in this thing? I, I th Zans is in FGC. I think he's in Calcutta. Good. I think he was interested. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Anyone else? Anyone else with some money they want to throw around? Not sure. We'll have to follow up. Well. Carl, I'll ask you then first. So we have a couple uh, champions here headed in uh, automatic bids going into the March Madness tournament. Uh, give me your thoughts about some of the big conferences, teams that you like going forward here. Yeah, so going into this, you know, I wanted to identify uh, one major and one mid-major. And the, the major team that I liked is Villanova. I know that, you know, they have name recognition, um, but they've... <laughs> They've, they've had some good weeks and some bad weeks like every other team this year. I think based on their strength of schedule, based on their you know offensive numbers or defensive numbers, I think, and even compared to what they're predicted to, what their matchups are going into you know the current current breakdown with Lenardi's bracketology, I think they do a they have a very nice bracket, assuming everything kind of stays the same. Um, I really like their their schedule. Um, the, the, the weird thing in this year is going to be how do teams perform without any fans? I, I don't know how anyone predicts that. I think that's – if there's a – somewhere a strength of schedule for scrimmages, then that would be ideal to have. Right, because um, I didn't even bring up the fact that, that. – I didn't even bring up the fact that the, the NCAA said that they are not allowing fans in. It's limited to, I believe, some particular members of the family and, like, school officials is what I believe yeah. I read. Yes, that's that's what I saw, and that's the current plan. But obviously, with everything else, that, that could change, you know, er, per day. I mean, I, I kind of feel like this is the way this is headed. Is there's really no, there's no script, there's no game plan. It's kind of we're going to figure it out day by day and see what happens. But I guess currently, from what I saw on uh, ESPN, Villanova is matched up with Colgate. First matchup, I think it's for them is a very good matchup. And then right now they're projected to play the winner of the Michigan and East Tennessee State, which for me, Big Ten is you know top to bottom is the strongest conference in the in the nation, but also probably the most unpredictable. If you, you know, you look at their home home versus road records; most of those teams are under five hundred on the road, so it's really hard to tell um, kind of how they perform on a you know neutral site, which right now is currently going to be Albany. So we're going to see how that goes, but I would take Villanova and their, you know, their coaching staff, you know, mature and have experienced uh, high-level wins versus a Michigan team that's, you know, has replaced their coach mid-season and and kind of uh, running on empty, I guess, to a certain extent. Villanova. So that would be my. Villanova sitting at plus seventeen hundred right now. That's not a bad price. In your opinion, is that a good price for them? Yeah, I would say that's good value. I think anything. Uh, up to probably twenty one hundred is a good price. I think they have enough value there that you're going to get um, enough upside to, to at the very least break even. Which, based on the Calcutta's history, would be uh, more than enough. Fermi, uh, hold on, Carl, on, the, on your small ball team. Fermi, give me your big yep. team that you like. So the team I really like is probably Gonzaga, and I know they're they're projected to be a one seed. So I'll give you two. I definitely like the Zags, and I'll talk about them in a little. Um, Getting back to Carl's point, I actually like Michigan as my other team. Um, I don't, I don't, I mean, I looked at Lunardi today as well, Carl, and I saw that projected matchup with Nova in the second. The reason I like Michigan, um, right now they're projected as a six seed, with, and what's crazy is you touched on this, they're a nine seed in the Big Ten tourney, which just speaks to how deep the Big Ten was this year. It was amazing. Um, Michigan's quality wins, they beat Gonzaga. In the battle for Atlantis, I think down down in the Bahamas early in the season, they beat Creighton, they beat Rutgers twice, which are actually pretty quality wins this year. They beat Michigan State, they beat Iowa, so they've had a successful run this year. And a lot of those wins were without even I, Isaiah Livers was banged up most of the year, and I would say he's probably their best and most consistent player. 
So with him back, Franz Franz Wagner, you know, a full season now under his belt, basically. He's a true freshman. Um, they, they all, all five of their starters can shoot the three. Um, not great, but they definitely stretch the, the, the court and have pretty good motion on offense. So I like Michigan. I like how three of their best players are seniors. Um, they've been here before. They lost to Nova in the championship a couple years ago. Um, I, I just think they have the ability to make a run in the tournament given their three-point shooting, matchup problems, tough defense. I actually hope they don't get Nova in the second round. Um, and anything can happen with these with these tournaments, like you said, and, and the conference tournaments. Fermi, let's say Michigan's a six seed and Villanova is a three seed who they run into. How much in the Calcutta are you going to pay for them? For Michigan? Yes. Um, Michigan is a six. Again, I, I worry about paying up for them in the Calcutta because a lot of those big-name teams bring extra money just because, you know, that's that's what they do. Um, so you're not going to get a bargain for Michigan as a sixth seed. Um, honestly, you would get more of a bargain if they were probably a seven, and I would I would actually prefer that, I think. Um, it may not matter much, but a seven-eight seed playing a playing – a, two seed, you know, seven ten matchup and then getting a two seed in the second round. I would actually prefer that. I don't even want to put dollars on them yet, but um what I mean what would that what would a six seed go for in the Calcutta? Um yeah, hold that please. Uh last year so last year Buffalo <laughs> Buffalo who we had went for sixteen hundred. Iowa yeah. State went for twenty seven hundred uh, yeah, Maryland went for thirteen fifty, and Villanova went for two grand. Sounds like Carl would take Villanova for two grand again. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, but they're going to take it. They're going to go for thirty five hundred. Well, what do you like about Gonzaga? Well, I mean, I love Gonzaga. I think they're seven guys deep. They have seven guys that average nine point eight points or more a game. So basically, seven guys averaging double digits. Um, they have three bigs. They're deep. They have a, their three-point specialist shoots like 40% from 45% from the three-point line. They have a seven- or eight-man rotation. They've been there before. Mark Hughes is a really good coach. I know their schedule's a little weak, but this year BYU was tough. St. Mary's was good. They played at the Battle of Atlantis. I, think they're, I just think they're battle-tested. They're, they have a bunch of veterans. And they're going to be a matchup problem for anybody they play with it, their three bigs. Uh, so I think they can make a serious run. Their two losses, two of their three, I think their only two losses were to BYU and Michigan. I, I don't have a lot about Gonzaga. I mean, I know they're good. I know Kansas is like, I was listening to Brian talk about them uh, two weeks ago. He was like, they're just the team to beat this year. Um, I, I still feel, again, even though it's even though it's not football season, I feel like Baylor's fraudulent. I feel like Texas Tech should have beat them. Um, you know, Texas Tech is hit or miss right now for me right now. Like I, I look at Texas Tech as a great value team. Being the number one in Louisville earlier in the year, and then having this re- weird roller coaster of a year, losing to Baylor at home, losing at West Virginia, losing to Kentucky in overtime, but then beating West Virginia at home, losing to Kansas twice by three and four points, losing in overtime to Baylor. I mean, they're all guards. That's that's all they have. I, I just feel like. Man, if that team gets hot, they they could be a really good buy as a like a nine seed for me. Um, I don't know what you think about that, and Carl, I don't know what you think about that before we get into the small conferences. I think it comes out of matchups. I really think it's too early to see kind of what the, the bracket's going to be. I mean, I know it's predictions right now, and I think you have a pretty good idea, but the key with the Calcutta is really what's the next two matchups going to look like. What are your you know best case scenarios versus worst case scenarios? And it's drafting early. I think we've talked about yeah. this before. Buying early, I Bu- should say. Correct, correct. Yeah. Carl, who do you like in the smaller conferences or the, the more like you know, the little you know, the little guys? All right, so I'm torn and it's gonna depend on, to be honest, the matchup here coming up. Um I'm torn between Butler and Providence. I think depending on I almost want to take the loser of the two. I know it's kind of a weird thought process, but um Currently, Butler looks to be a higher seed based on what Lenardi has to say, which, you know, he's been doing this for years, so he has a pretty good idea. Um, if 
if Providence were to lose and they stay at a seven seed or potentially even an eight seed, I think their track to win the first two games is a little bit easier. And I know it's weird, but I'm not a fan of. Let's say they, you know, they they lose and they stay at a seven seed. I think they beat Arizona State. If they play Florida State in the second round, I think that's also a game they can win. I don't think the ACC is that good this year. Um, they've proven themselves against you know good teams throughout the year. They've they beat a you know a, what was a, a six ranked uh, Butler squad. Um, sorry, they lost to a, to a six ranked Butler squad, but they beat them later on in the year um, in February one. I just think they have the talent there, um, and, and I think depending on if they play the ACC, so saying they play Florida State round one, then they would probably play the winner of the Virginia and Michigan State matchup, which. I think they have the matchup there that they could also upset, you know, either one of those. I think that that works out. But also, if, you know, Butler has a nice a nice run, assuming that they're in the Dayton bracket. I know everyone loves Dayton this year, and they have, you know, what could be a player of the year candidate. But Dayton really hasn't proven themselves in the past, whereas Butler has. So I think it's one of those toss-up games that they could, you know, easily advance to the Sweet 16, which is what you need in a Calcutta to make any money. Fermi? Yeah, so I like BYU, and I like I, – I don't even want to say I like Stephen F. Austin, but I think there's some upside there. And, again, depending on matchups, we got to really see how this shakes out. Um, BYU, they're projected as a five seed, and I just think they have all the right sort of tools to make a run. They have a veteran point guard who's super tough. His basketball IQ is off the charts, TJ Halls. They have Yuli Childs. He averages 22-9. and nine. He's their big guy. He only played 19 games because I think he was suspended for some violation early in the season. Um, sat the bench the first matchup against Gonzaga. Played the second matchup. They beat Gonzaga by 15 or something. And they have their their shooter, Jake Toulson. He shoots 47% from downtown. So I, I just like the makeup of their team. They're a veteran team. Um, so I think they could make a run. If, if the five six seed area still holds, and then Stephen F. Austin projected currently as a twelve seed, they already won the Southland for the fifteenth time in a row, I believe. They're coming off fifteen straight wins. I know it's a small conference; they should win the conference, but they had that big win over Duke earlier in the year. Um, they played really fast. I know they didn't get up and down the court. I, I think they could be a matchup nightmare, just depending on who they draw. Um, like, if they would play against somebody like Virginia, and I, I don't know, if, I know they're not penciled in to play them now, but that's easily a possibility. I think they could give Virginia fits just with the speed of their play, uh, you know, just the tempo, and Virginia's obviously the complete opposite. So I think that's a matchup-driven team that we just got to keep our eye on. I'll tell you this much. Uh, I like to, you know me, I, I love these 12 through 16 games. Uh, because I like to take overs because I, I like kids that are in the tournament and they like to play for the long game. They don't stop. They foul. They they shoot threes nonstop. For me, if that's the, if that's the type of game they're playing, that's what I look for. Uh, Winthrop, who made the tournament right now, big win over St. Mary's earlier in the year, kept it close with Duke and Eastern uh, Tennessee State University, 81 points per game, giving up 71 and a half. Boy, if, if, if whoever they're playing based on a matchup, I would love an over in that to start my day out on Thursday if they played for sure. Uh, Liberty, who we had last year, slows the game down, plays a lot of good D, 57 points per game, second in the NCAA behind, you guessed it, Virginia. Now, here's the thing. I think from what I've seen, it hasn't been a lot, if they run into athletes like when they did against LSU, I think you're going to see a similar score, 74-57. Oh, it was a bloodbath for them. Not looking good for for Liberty is if, as Carl has said, you know, the first game they get nice, low, and slow, but then they run to athletes, they're, they're going to be in trouble. Uh, Hofstra shoots a ton of three-pointers, tied for 19th in the NCAA, and this team also beat UCLA. And I don't know if this is a sleeper, but uh, Utah State winning that Mountain West Conference, maybe they might be a little bit overvalued, maybe maybe too high of a price, but they're well-balanced on offense and defense. So uh, if I don't get them in the Calcutta with our group, I, you know, it might be a good play depending on matchups again in the bracket. So um, any, any thoughts about those teams um, or any other thoughts before we uh, begin to wrap up here, gentlemen? Yeah, can I weigh in real quick? Sure. Um, break. Breaking news, actually, while we were talking. Um, the NBA just suspended season 
season games for the foreseeable future as a result of uh, a player being tested for the coronavirus and being ruled positive. This is who the NBA. It? Uh, Rudy Gobert. So the NBA right now. Oh my God! The Utah canceled. Jazz. That's my team. Yeah. So they've canceled uh, the season as of now. The foreseeable I heard future. that. That tweet came out like 20 minutes ago when we were talking. Also, Tom Hanks and Rita runs. Wilson have just been diagnosed with yep. the coronavirus. Yep. Oh my. So I think, I, I to be honest, I know we're talking about the March Madness, assuming it's going to happen, but I think kind of based on the way this thing is trending, there's there's a lot of companies and a lot of money out there that doesn't want to be associated with holding an event that could potentially be a, a liability. Um, and I don't want to be the you know, the bearer of bad news, but there's, there's no guarantee that this, this moves forward. So we need to keep that in the back of our minds as we, uh, we talk about this. Fermi. I just think, so what do you guys real quick as a sidebar? What, how do you think the games are going to go with, with no fans? I I saw something on gambling Twitter that was hilarious. That was like, I it said, it said four sides. He goes, I've already heard take the underdog because there there's, there's no home crowd to motivate them. Take the favorite because there's nothing to motivate the underdog. Take the under because the crowd's out of it and it'll mess with the shooters. Like in a free throw, like not a free throw. I'm sorry. Like a shoot around or what did I say? Take the over, uh, whatever, which, whichever one was, they're playing both sides of it. So I, I really don't know. I really don't know how to, how to play it. I, I think that to be honest with you, I think if there's no crowds, I definitely think it favors the underdogs, in my opinion. That's just me. I would say yeah. so as well. I, I would tend to agree with you, especially um, because, you know, the, the higher seeds are playing usually in their backyard or at least closer to home where they could draw a crowd. I mean, it may not matter quite as much um, later in the tournament when, you know, it becomes even more neutral. But um, I would agree that I think – I think the underdogs would have a little bit of an advantage. Carl? Yeah, I agree. I think anytime you have the uh, you have the favorite kind of thrown off their game, you got to take the underdog. Um, since I have both of you here, and you're both financially-minded individuals, um, it's so funny. For a long time, all the trumpeteers asked me how my, uh, my, my retirement fund was doing. Uh, no one's asked me in the past five days. It has been, speaking of a bloodbath, it has got pummeled. Now, Carl, you and Rome's and I have continually talked about buying here. I already see the Dow futures are now down seven over 700 points. Are we continuing to buy in this market right now? Are we going to weather this storm the whole way? I mean, we've got another 30 years of investing, but is this the right time to buy in? Yeah, I mean, I think if you continue the thought process of buy on the dips, then absolutely. I mean, do I think this is the bottom? No, I think, you know, that's probably, oh, to be honest, I think it's probably weeks away. Because I don't think anyone really has an idea when this is going to, you know, reach the peak and, and kind of plateau and then, you know, drop. For me? So I think keep buying. Yeah, I agree. I would. I, I do not think we're at the bottom, but this is definitely the time to buy, in my mind. Maybe... I'm, I'm, I mean, you can hold out a couple more weeks. I think there's a little bit more downward to go, but you definitely want to have some more invested by the time this, you know, we turn the corner here. Here's a question for you: What's what? What? I I know no one no one can predict it. No one can. But just just because we're here, why not? Give me a bottom. What's the, what's a bottom? What what is it? Does it does it go below twenty thousand? I think if we knew that, we'd be a lot richer than uh, we Obviously, are. that's not the point of the question. I would be shocked if it hits 19.5. Yeah, I mean, it'll be close. I think that's a good line. We're gamblers. That's probably, you set a good line, Biggs. What is it, 20,000 20, 20, points over under? Yeah. I, oof, oh my God. I, I take slightly under. Okay. Let's continue this trend. Hold on. Let, 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 me, let me play here. I'm not playing politics. I, I've already laid my cards out there. Let's say Biden wins. Not, not only the nomination, but then he wins the presidency. Does it drop even further then? Does, does there create a new level of panic? Like, oh, no. Now the deregulations are yeah. done. Now now, now the, the, the tax cuts, you know, there's, there's some holes in there. They might be able to take them back. You know, whatever the case may be. Does, if it hits that over under twenty thousand mark, Biden gets in. Do you see that market panic again? I do. Uh, anything you, anytime you have a change initially, you're going to have a drop. 
people like, yep. you know, Wall Street hates when there's an unknown person, you know, thrown into that position. Well, this is this is what we've talked about before. This was this is different than politics. This is actually like politics versus a pandemic. The pandemic wins. Like there, there is legit fraught. There is, there is, there is fear going on right now because, you know, thirty days, nothing coming out of Europe. I mean, this is what happens when you build things on houses of cards. You know what I mean? Like, you you can only run so good at the table for so long. You should you, you should have been hoarding some of that money. Now, I myself have tried to move some things around into some different ETFs, but oh my God, VTI has just got slaughtered the past couple of days. I mean, it's. I I actually might dip into other funds to max out my my Roth IRA like by the end of March. You know what I mean? Yeah, but VYM hasn't been much better. I mean, if you look at some of the ones that you would you know consider more of a diversified approach, sure. they're not exactly performing well either. So oh, I mean, it's, they've it's all gotten a, crushed. I, I'm in yeah, I'm right. in VIG. What's that? It's a bloodbath. Yeah, it is. It is VIG VYM and VTI have all gotten slaughtered. Um, yep. and you know, boof, boof. Fermi, what do you think? I, I mean, I, I think it's going to just keep plummeting. I, if a Democrat gets in, it, it drops even more. Like we said, I'm going to stay away until I think it's at the bottom and then I'm going to, I'm going to get back into it. Ooh, I love it. Listen, this is, may not be our most downloaded episode, but it is up there in our longest episodes. Now, Fermi is going to be getting ready, hopefully having some travel and everything like that. First of all, we hope as much as we joke around that everyone stays safe. But that being said, the night of the brackets on that Sunday night selection, Mr. Fermi and I are going to have a discussion, and I'm going to try to get Mr. Fermi. Hopefully, I know he's going to be a very busy man on Monday or Tuesday. If I can't get Fermi, I'll get another guest on here to talk about those first two rounds um, two, two slash three, you know what I mean, of the March Madness. And then we'll also talk about our Calcutta as we start to bring things up. Um, but other than that, we hope that our friends here at the FGC stay safe in their travels. We hope that Stritz can get out of the country and also hopefully get back in to his, his country right now where he is residing. And as always, as we prepare here for a very, very exciting two weeks in March, when you're with the anonymous gamblers, it's only a problem when you're losing. Everyone stay safe. Be out there. Make sure you uh, use some hand sanitizer and we'll talk to you soon. Later.